This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. Trash, trash. Tell Washington football they are trash, trash, and ain't going nowhere. And I say trash, trash. Tell the Dallas Cowboys they are trash, trash, and ain't going nowhere. And I say trash, trash. Tell the New York Giants they are trash, trash. And ain't going nowhere. Then I say trash, trash. Tell the Philly Eagles they are trash, trash. But they went in the East. They still went in the East. I'm telling you, man. The Eagles will win the NFC East. Still. I know how bad it looks. I already know. Monday night, it looked bad. Going for two when we're down... 11 and not getting it sucked. No, 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 no. Going on fourth down when we're down 11 instead of getting a field goal and being down eight, that sucked. Carson Wentz getting sacked a million times sucked. The refs loafing sucked. You know, it's just typical 2020 Eagles. They either come out slow or they come out fast. Usually they come out slow. The refs have a terrible call to go against them or a series of call to go against them. And it cost them a touchdown. Then the Eagles suck again. Then they bounce back. Then they stay in the game. Then they let it slip away. Then they come up with a garbage time touchdown. And they usually lose the game. Except that Giants game when they got the late touchdown. They were able to get another late touchdown to win the game. See, that only happened one time. Got the 2020 Eagles figured out. Like, they're an inconsistent football team, but they're still capable of winning the NFC East, and they will. They have the talent to, even though Lane Johnson is going on the IR. I mean, offensive line, bad enough, but with better play calling, they'll be fine. With better play calling, they'll be fine. Damn, Joy. (laughs) Joy Taylor looking good on the hurry right now. They'll be fine. That'll be fine. We getting Zach Ertz back. I'm not going to lie. He's had a horrible season. And Dallas Goddard is emerging to be a beast. He was great. He was great this past uh, Monday. See, when the Eagles lost this Monday, just everyone just piled on. Piled on. Everyone said it's time to bench Wentz. Everyone's talking about how far Carson Wentz has slipped. Everyone's talking about starting Jalen Hurts. I love Jalen Hurts. He was a Sooner. I liked him at Alabama, but no, man. If he ain't ready, he ain't he not ready. If if they feel he's ready, I'll get behind him. If they don't feel he's ready, Carson's the guy. I'm going to let him figure it out. I say let him play the rest of the year. I say let him play the rest of the year, and we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I don't care. Because the 2020 Eagles, just look, just look at the scores. They only got blown out in one game, bro. One game, and that was the Rams game. And even that game, at halftime in the third quarter, they were in it. So, I mean, they played Seattle tough. They got after Russell Wilson. And honestly, I can't even be too mad at Darius Slay for his coverage on DK Metcalf 
because two of them throws were just really good Russell Wilson throws. And even on the touchdown to David Moore, that was another really good throw and good coverage by Avante Maddox. There was a pass interference call that was phantom to me, but but they called it. I mean, those guys did fine. If Roby Coleman had an amazing game, I didn't hear nothing from Tyler Lockett. But see, that's the... See, that's the benefit of having two really good receivers from the Seahawks is you don't need uh, both of them to go off. Oh, and you know, it is what it is. Um, I don't know why they don't hand Sanders the ball more often. I'm not going to lie. Seattle's defense has improved. It has. Seattle fans were telling me on Twitter they have improved. They have improved. Even though the Eagles have what? A bottom five offense. Um, Seattle's defense has improved last few games. Now we'll see what happens after this game. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. I mean, Jamal Jamal Adams was everywhere. He was a beast. He is like that. He is worth the money. I must admit. But the Eagles will be fine. Okay. I know I know. Eight and a half point underdogs against Green Bay. That's probably that's the biggest spread of the season. They haven't been that big of underdogs all season. It doesn't look good. But, I mean, they beat Green Bay last year. I feel like they could beat them this year. Come on, man. They only beat Jacksonville by four. Come on, man. Come on, man. Green Bay is inconsistent. I feel like they could. They can get with them for sure. Especially if you can run the ball. If you can run the ball and keep Aaron Rodgers off the field, that's what Minnesota did. They lost to Minnesota at home. Minnesota lost to Dallas. At their home. And they barely beat the Panthers. How did Green Bay lose to them? How did Green Bay get blown out by the Buccaneers? But the Eagles who have been in every game. Who only have what? Two double digit losses out of their seven losses. They only got two double digit losses. And the Giants one was. That was nonsense. But they only got two double digit losses. And look. Even Colin is taking the 8.5 spread. Philly is an 8.5 underdog, right? He's taking that. I, I'm, I take it. Matter of fact, man, I might want to bet on that now. No, nah, no, nah, I'm going to save my money. But seriously, though, the Eagles will be fine. I'm still not worried. Just like last year, we just one game back. One game back. One game back. One game back. I'm starting to chant again. One game back. One game back. See, Colin, Colin Coward got Green Bay winning 27-23. I'm going to flip that. I got the Eagles winning 27-23. I'm going with it. And then we got Taysom Hill next week. Man, get out of here, man. The Eagles are your NFC East champs. Get ready. I'm telling you, bro. Anyway, uh, Cowboys and Washington sitcom, a.k.a. the Washington football team. So I watched that Thanksgiving game, and it was – uh pretty back and forth until the fourth quarter Cowboys completely lost their minds with shaky play calling I think it was fourth and inches and you throw a curl route to CD Lamb terrible the fake punt terrible wait a minute wait a minute, wait a minute. the fake punt it's your own 30 yard line. yeah it was bad but if you look at the tape the receiver ran like a corner route and he was wide open if I think it was uh, Donovan Wilson or whatever his name is that caught the reverse. If he sees that receiver, 
It's touchdown or at least a first down. Okay, there was a safety in the middle of the field. Okay, he probably would have caught the receiver who caught it, who would have got that pass. But it wouldn't have been a tackle for a loss, and then it wouldn't have ended up in a um, – it wouldn't have uh, turned into a Washington touchdown. I mean, after that play, I mean, Washington just ran the ball down their throat. Cowboys can't stop Antonio Gibson. I'm kind of mad I traded him in fantasy now, but it's okay because that's my 3-8 and eight team, so it doesn't matter. I wasn't going to be in the playoffs anyway, but I'm going to make sure – I go with my gut. My gut told me Aaron Jones and Michael Thomas had tough schedules. And Michael Thomas had just lost Drew Brees. But I still took them anyway over um, James Robinson and Antonio Gibson. It wasn't a good idea. wasn't a good idea. But whatever, man. Whatever. It is what it is. It's done now. But anyway, man. Listen. I think. I, I really want to say the Cowboys are going to be in last. In the NFC East. However, if they can play like they did against Minnesota and in the first three quarters against Washington, they're going to be in it too. I don't know. I can't I, I can't call two, three, and four. It could go either way. My gut tells me it's going to be Philly, Washington, Giants, Cowboys. I think that's how it's going to end up. I think the Eagles will win three more games. Washington will win one to two more games. I might give them 49ers and Carolina, even though both are better than them. They're definitely losing to the Steelers on Monday. I don't even know what y'all are talking about. It's a bad matchup. There's, the strength of their team is their pass rush. How are you going to get the Ben Roethlisberger when he lets the ball go out, when he lets the ball out really fast? And they got receivers that could take advantage of your secondary of everyone in your secondary not named Kendall Fuller. What are we doing? And then once they get a lead on you, they're going to run the ball and further neutralizing your pass rush. You're done. You're finished. And the, and the Steelers got a pass rush of their own. And then Mika Fitzpatrick, y'all better talk to them, man. But Washington, man, y'all, y'all losing, man. Y'all losing on Monday. It's over. Okay? And after that, you got the 49ers in Arizona. You you might win that game because there's no Jimmy G. And the, the Eagles beat the 49ers, so you can probably beat them too. But I don't know. They beat the Rams, and everyone was about to crown the Rams, the second-best team in the NFC, and the 49ers beat them. But then again, they kind of know them well. They kind of know them pretty well. And last year, it now mind you, it was a monsoon. It was 9-6. 49ers over Washington with a full 49ers roster and half a Redskins Washington roster. Well, not half. They they had most of their people. I'm not going to lie. But it was a monsoon. They only won 9-6. This time it's in Arizona. It's in a dome. If the 49ers could get decent quarterback play, they will beat Washington. They play Seattle. That's a loss. Come on, man. Come on, man. That's a loss. Carolina. That's probably a loss. I mean, they got too many weapons. And if they get Christian McCaffrey back, oh, it might be a blowout. That's that's probably a loss, but it's a winnable game. And then the Eagles, I'm not going to lie, that's the easiest game on their schedule. But I don't think – I think Philly will have it together for that game, especially if it's a winner-take-all 
You're talking about an Eagles team that's in every game. They're in every game. They're never out of it. I don't have reason to be afraid uh, of Washington in a winner-take-all game, most likely. Or, well, semi-likely. I'll say 60% chance. If they can figure out how to block that pass rush, the Eagles can beat them. Real talk. I might be forgetting someone on their schedule, but I think that's it. I think that's it. Oh, my God. Um, Let's see. Man, enough of the Cowboys and Washington sitcom. Man, listen. I mean, both teams are capable of winning their division. I just don't see it. ton of people got Washington just, just taking their division now and the Giants possibly taking their division. I'm just like, no. No, man. They, they, I think these teams have peaked. And the avalanche is coming. They're going down the hill. The Eagles will rise. And they will take their spot. Just watch. Just watch. Don't. Don't worry about what you just saw on national TV. Just watch. Now, COVID versus the NFL. Lord Jesus. You moved that uh, Pittsburgh-Baltimore game from Thanksgiving to Sunday to Monday to Tuesday. Then the Wednesday afternoon with no Lamar Jackson and no Mark Andrews, no J.K. Dobbins, no, no James Conner. No Mark Ingram. Yet still, it was a close game. How is it a close game? And then that's another thing. Knee-jerk reaction. Everyone's saying Pittsburgh is overrated now. Everyone's saying they're the worst undefeated team ever. What? I remember seeing that on Twitter, and someone was like, the 2003 Chiefs when they had Priest home. Yeah, this Pittsburgh team way better than that team. Remember, that Kansas City team lost in the divisional round of Peyton Manning, by the way. Are they even better than I think they're better than the 04 team that went 15 and 1. They're kind of they're kind of similar to that team with Ben Roethlisberger too. And just like that team, we all have them losing in the conference championship, maybe the divisional round. I I think they'll be fine, man. They'll they'll make adjustments. They dropped a lot of passes down the stretch. They could have easily won this game by 30, but it's just fumbles, turnovers, drop passes, uh, big plays. What is Robert Griffin III doing running 40 yards down the field in 2020? What are you doing? And then Trace McSorley to Hollywood Brown for a long touchdown. What are they doing, bro? What are we doing? Anyway, man, that's that's not even a point, man. That's not even a point. I mean, COVID is not going anywhere. We we knew that though. We knew that though. You moved the game around. You moved that game around. Then, I mean, you've been moving games around all season. You moved the Broncos, Patriots around. The Ravens, Cowboys was supposed to be yesterday. Now it's Sunday, I believe, or it's, no, I think it's Monday. It's either Sunday or Monday. Um. <clears throat> Washington, Pittsburgh is supposed to be Sunday. Now it's Monday evening before whoever is after that. I think it's the Bills versus 49ers. Man, it's crazy, man. You got the 49ers can't play in can't play in um Santa Clara County anymore. <laughs> Clay Clay Travis said it doesn't make sense because they're safer in Santa Clara County than they are uh in Arizona. Or in Stanford case in Oregon or Washington, and they, he said they violate the CDC rules for for travel. 
and they go into like basically it puts the football team at more risk than the actual residents at Santa Clara, but it's about everyone because Santa Clara County is not just the 49ers and the Stanford Cardinals. I I get it. I get it. it it's it's tough, man. I don't want to get into specific rules and politics, but it's a tough go, man. And it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. I don't know how this Super Bowl is going to happen. This is going to be the strangest Super Bowl ever. I can see it now. Don't even be surprised if you don't see the Saints, Rams, Seahawks, uh, Chiefs, or Steelers in the Super Bowl because it's 2020 and shit is weird. Just, I mean, you know what? I should probably do that. I should probably make that a segment next week. Outside of those 16, who's most likely to make the Super Bowl? Off the top of my head, I'm thinking, off the top of my head, I'm thinking Titans. I'm thinking anyone who comes out of the NFC East. If it's, bro, if it's, if we get a Super Bowl of Browns versus Giants or Eagles or, or Washington, bro, that would be crazy. It's not going to happen. Another thing I thought about was um the Broncos losing four quarterback and having a What's his name? Kamal Hinton? I, I forgot his name. Quarterback who is a practice squad receiver who played quarterback for Wake Forest. Bro, he only had like nine passing yards. He had zero passing yards at halftime. That's crazy, man. They were compromised. I know they were going to be an underdog to the Saints anyway, but dang, man. Just wasn't even competitive. What are we doing? What are we doing? But it's 2020. It's 2020. It's covid you can't be surprised about anything anymore. I'm not. I'm not. It just is what it is. I and mean, you know what I'm saying? Just when stuff get canceled, when stuff get postponed, when certain people get the virus, I'm just like, of course. <laughs> of course, man. I'm, I'm past the outrage. I'm past the outrage. It just is what it is. Now, um, we'll see what happens. The, the NFL is trying to handle this as, as best they can. The discrepancy of how they handle Baltimore and Denver is just going to open them up to questioning. And Roger Goodell looked like he's trying to handle that. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a bumpy ride to the Super Bowl. But I think we will get to the Super Bowl. Even if there's no fans at the Super Bowl, how weird is that going to be? Everyone's still going to watch that shit, though. <laughs> Real talk. <laughs> Man. You just got to keep an eye on it. A team like Washington, who barely have any cases, they had like two cases the whole season. They have not been interrupted by COVID at all. They could, they could run into some problems. That mean they got kind of affected by the Steelers. The Eagles could run into problem. Who knows? Carson Wentz might get something. I don't want to wish that on him, but it could happen. You just got to keep your eyes open and just don't be surprised by anything that freaking happens. That's all. It's 2020, man. It's, it's the new normal. It's the new normal. Anyway, let's get to something else here. Sarah Fuller. Here we go. Okay. So if you don't know by now, she's the first uh, female player to play in a power five game apparently there was there might have been some other women i don't i don't know there's a woman who kicked from new mexico but they may have been fcs back then nevertheless it was groundbreaking uh no matter how you feel about the kick she inspired a lot of 
women, uh, a lot of girls, just a lot of people in general. It's just she realized the moment is bigger than her. And in her words in the interview, she realized that she's just doing this something that's much bigger than her. And she's, you know, breaking glass and uh, showing that women can be in male-dominated sports or male-dominated fields. I guess women, I mean, women have been the minority the entire time we've been a country. And they've... They've had to make, you know, significant steps to to, to gain rights and um, fit in certain institutions, and it's just it really helps. It this is a this is a symbolic moment for women all across the United States, and even well-established women like your Rachel Nichols and your in sports, in sports, and your Jackie McMullins and your Holly Rose. Even they were were really happy. And your Mean and Kimes. They're really happy because, you know, they just know how hard it is for women in, in sports. And that's pretty cool. But also, you know, if you read everything, not everyone agrees with it. Even some women disagree with it. She didn't kick the ball that far. I didn't care. I mean, I thought it was a squib kick. So I was like, eh. My thing is, <laughs> what I was more worried about was how the freak Vandy scores zero points and were unable to let her kick a field goal and do another kickoff. How were they that trash? They they didn't score a point. They didn't get a single other opportunity to kick off or kick a field goal. They were that bad. And they're 0-8. And Derek Mason got fired. Finally. It was just that bad. Vandy is trash. The trashiest of trash in college football. Even Kansas can beat this team. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not. But <laughs> I think Kansas would give them a game. Trash. And then Sarah Fuller, I mean, forget all that. How about her, you know, helping her team win the SEC tournament? I think that's even more outstanding. Like, we just gloss over that because of the the, the history behind what she did uh, this past Saturday. We just gloss over that. I mean... They beat Mississippi State by four. They were a 10th seed. They annihilated them. Then they beat Tennessee. They upset Tennessee, who was the second seed. They beat them four to two. Then they upset the third seed, which was Texas A&M, who, who stopped another Cinderella, 14th seed LSU. They beat them. Then they lost to Vandy. Vandy goes to the championship against Arkansas. Arkansas is number one seed, number one in the SEC, number six in the country. Vanderbilt beats them 4-2. What? No, 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 no. They beat them 3-1, and they beat Texas A&M 3-1. That's even more spectacular than what she did to me, to, to me, even though, you know, I, you know, maybe the history thing. I, uh, the, the reason why she got the kick for Vandy, I think um, – well, first of all, their kickers, COVID. They had the COVID. They had to go through protocol. And then uh, I guess all the walk-on kickers they knew or former kickers, they had a tough time getting through the NCAA clearinghouse and stuff. And I guess my 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 best guess is Vandy had just won the soccer championship. You saw Derek Mason tweet about it. So they're fresh on, they're fresh on 
the coaching staff's mind. They just saw them make this miraculous run. Their kickers get COVID. And they like, why don't we ask one of them to kick for us? I guess they tried out Sarah Fuller. Maybe a few of her teammates, I assume. She does pretty well. She practices all week. And boom, you have this moment that you had on Saturday. Um, Might as well transition into the next topic. I mean, Jason Whitlock thought it was a publicity stunt. A bunch of other people think it's a publicity stunt. A bunch of other people think it's a joke and that they were better qualified players to kick off, including the punter who had a great game. He, I, I mean, he. I would hope so because you didn't score any points. <laughs> you had to punt a lot. But, yeah, man, um, Jason Whitlock think it's a make-a-wish situation that we're kind of overrating this, overvaluing this. I didn't get to see his article, but that's pretty much what he thinks. Clay Travis think this is ludicrous as well. I mean, of course they're going to be on the same page, him and Jason Whitlock. But it's just not about them, though. It's about it's just about women in general that just feel like they can't break any barriers, like they can't break any glass windows or glass ceilings just because of their gender. It's just not about them. I mean, I understand, you know, the kick wasn't great. And <laughs> she made a halftime speech. I, I laughed because it was just like, oh, dang, y'all are so bad. That the girl just just walked on the team from the soccer team, tell y'all that y'all not making enough noise, that y'all not picking each other up, that y'all have a shaky culture, that y'all culture is bad. Damn, man, that's sad. <laughs> that's sad. But you know, Clay rolled his eyes at that. Some other people rolled their eyes. It's like who? She has the nerve, and she's a kicker. Why is she talking? She just got there. And then some Vandy players starting to quit. The last game over what happened and then their coach getting fired. It's, it's a lot, man. It's, it's a lot. Uh, overall, I, I like the situation. I don't really worry about the kick. I just smile at, you know, what she did for people who are inspired by it. I, I, it to me, I just, I just smile. It just is what it is. And I'm just more impressed with what her team did in the SEC tournament than I am with what she did. But that's just because of how I perceive things in my life experience. Those who, those who, um, you know, like like women who had trouble breaking glass ceilings and women who had trouble in male-dominated fields or have just, you know, been wrong just because they're a woman, they're, they're probably the most touched by this. Me, it's just, I don't have stuff like that in my life. I know, I know, because I'm black. I'm black, so I'm sure I could go through that, too. I'm, I'm, I'm a black man, but so far, I mean, any success and failures is mostly because of me, not because of my gender or my race. So it's just your life experiences and how you perceive things is what is will determine how you feel about this Sarah Fuller thing. Period. Or anything. All right, man. Uh Jason Whitlock once again. Just it's just Whitlock being Whitlock. With me it's like I take the good with the bad, you know what I'm saying? He's his brand is fearless. Like that's the name of his podcast and that's very on brand with what he does. He's fearless. He's not afraid to talk about controversial topics. He's not afraid of backlash. Just who he is. Just is what it is. You can choose to get upset. 
Or you can choose to just laugh and just say it is what it is. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I have, I have no problem with it. Wh- whatever. <laughs> you can say it's missing me or it probably is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't really, not going to pay too much attention to that. Uh, there's more important things to worry about. Anyway, it is time for The Sooner Schooner. So OU got Baylor this week. They got Baylor this week, man. Uh, it's easy to look past them. I mean, they're 2-5. and five. They barely won their last game. I don't know how the hell they won the last game when K-State was in control the entire game and they rushed for damn near 300 yards. Um, I don't know how they lost that game. Well, maybe I got an idea. I mean, Howard, the backup quarterback for K-State, it's trash. He can run a little bit, but he trash. And he only threw for 88 yards. And he threw two picks. I mean, that'll do it. I mean, I'm sure that kept Baylor in the game. All Baylor had to do was finally play some run defense. And that's what they did at the end. And they stole the game. Stole the game. But if you look at their schedule, I noticed something with their schedule. They're, to, they're like the Eagles. They may lose a bunch of games, but they close. They're never out of it. They lost West Virginia by six. I was watching that game. That was a back-and-forth game. They only lost to Iowa State by 10. That was close in the fourth quarter. They didn't lose to Texas by much. They didn't lose to Texas Tech by... They lost to Texas Tech by one, I think. I mean, they're in every game. But, man, you're going against a locomotive called the Sooners. And the locomotive is actually a Sooner schooner and it's going to run over your bear. I'm serious, man. Spencer Rattler stole for, what, 2,300 yards? And 22 touchdowns? Mmm, that's going to be tough for them. I will say this, though. Baylor, Baylor, I'm not going to lie. Baylor has, what, the number two pass defense in the Big 12. That's alarming. They give up 183 passing yards a game, which is insane to me. But they give up 183 rushing yards. So, judging by the Kansas State game and then those statistics, that tells me that people run the ball so much on them, they don't even need to pass like that. That's what that says. And to be honest, man, they did decent against the run in in most of their games. But there was like three games where they gave up over 200 yards. I think, well, Iowa State, Kansas State, for sure. They're really good rushing teams. That that makes sense. I think another one was, I think the other one where they gave up over 200 yards was against TCU, I believe. They are capable. You are capable of running on this team. Now, if Ramondre Stevenson didn't get suspended forever, this would be a chance for his Heisman moment against a susceptible Baylor defense. I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is a tough team, man. This is a tough team. It won't be easy, even though we're at home. OU likes to take quarters off. Yeah, I feel like if they take quarters off against this team, especially in the third quarter, they're going to keep them in this game, and it might get scary. I mean, th- this was pretty much OU football. For the last four years until this year, pretty much. So I wouldn't be surprised. But it could be one of them games where if we 
are playing around, they could, they could, might, they might steal it. But we're the better team. We're the better team. We should be able to run the ball. Ramondre Stevenson should have 150, 200 yards. We should be fine. He might. Rattler doesn't even have to throw for 300 yards, even though he throws for like 300 yards a game. He only have to throw 300 yards. Just hand it to Ramondre. And Pleasure and, and McGowan and all them guys, they should all eat. They should all eat. But basically, man, listen. They still got Charlie Brewer. I, I thought he was out of school. It seemed like he'd been there forever. Um, Baylor has lost four or five, but I'm not going to lie. All their games are close. So it, it might be tougher than we think. It might be. I mean, OU scores a whopping 45 points a game. Baylor allows 27. I think they even had a they, they, they had a close game with Texas and Iowa State. On the road at Iowa State. So, can't play around. Uh, two people you got to look out for, for Baylor. It's RJ Sneed, one of the, their leading receiver. He's like, he's third in receiving yards a game in Fifth in receptions. You also got to look out for, um, what's his name? I see it. Ebner. Tristan Ebner. You have to look out for him, too. Other than that, I'm not, come on. We, we should beat these guys. We should. And I got OU winning 38-17. So here we go. Now let's go to Make It Make Sense. <laughs> Could somebody please make it make sense? Could somebody please make it make sense? Okay, so this week's make it make sense is the Dolphins and the Bengals. The only reason this is an 11 and a half point spread is because Joe Burrow's out. You got Brandon Allen starting. An already struggling roster without their young star going against the Dolphins, who are pretty much a playoff team. I know this looks bad. This looked bad. But Ryan Fitzpatrick is starting. Like, he's cool. He's good. I mean, he could he could bring out that fist magic against a shaky Bengals defense. But if the Bengals can force turnovers, that's the number one thing against Fitzpatrick. He, he can turn that ball over. So if they can force turnovers against um, Fitzpatrick and then be aggressive on offense – without turning the ball over, they can win this game. The Dolphins aren't that good now. They're a solid team. They ain't that good. I mean, come on. All Brandon Allen has to do is not be horrible, and they can stay in this game, especially if they win the turnover battle. I mean, that's all I got. Dolphins will probably edge them. If you're betting and you you take – you got to take that 11.5. I, I think the Dolphins wins this game by 7 to 10 points. So you 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 definitely take that. What's the lingo on that? Over, under? I don't know. You take that bet, basically. You take that. They're 11.5 favorite. They're going to win by less than 11.5. So better on that. That's what I say. Now, a bonus make that make sense. A bonus make that make sense. Washington and Pittsburgh. Washington can win this game. They have to have Ben Roethlisberger hold on to the ball longer than expected. They have to take away those quick reads. 
They have to make him hold on to the ball. They have to stop the run because Baltimore, they could have they stole that game if they could stop the run down the stretch. I don't think Washington's going to do any of this, but if they can make Roethlisberger hold on the ball and uh, take longer to make decisions, that pass rush could gobble him up. And on offense, Tonio Gibson, get get him going. You got running backs who can catch the ball out the backfield, get them going. You know, Terry McLaurin, I don't think they have anyone on that team that could stop Terry McLaurin. So, you know, he, he could end up having a big game. They could possibly win, but I don't think so, man. I, I just think I just think Pittsburgh is too much. They got too many weapons on offense. Ben Roethlisberger is going to be too good. And on defense, Mika Fitzpatrick is going to be everywhere. Um... And, and, and T.J. Watt. T, they have no answer for T.J. Watt or Cam Hayward. But they can figure out how to block them. I don't see Alex Smith really turning the ball over. And Antonio Gibson has been on a roll. They could they could steal this game. They, they It's possible. But I don't, I don't think so. It's possible. Anyway, that's to make that make sense plus a bonus. So now let's get into some quick top. So Nate Robinson got knocked out by Logan Paul. And I'm like, I didn't really react like everybody else. See, people like Shannon Sharp had hella jokes. And I'm just like, I don't know why, but I took the approach of at least he was brave enough to get in there and fight. I don't know why he was talking so much smack, but maybe that was just who he was. I mean, of course, I enjoyed the memes. I mean, how can you not? But, you know, I, I felt kind of bad for him, bro. Like, he, he went out there. He, he did what he could. Even I know from fight night, you don't just come out there and just start punching. You There's a science to it. You got you to gotta bob and weave. You got to duck and move. You got to move your feet. You know what I'm saying? You just can't just rush in there and, and like, on fight night champion, lose your stamina and one punch and you out. Come on, man. I mean, I'm going to give him a break. I'm going to give Nate Robinson a break. He's probably not going to live this down. It's going to go. It's going to follow him to the grave. This was pretty embarrassing. But I'll give him the benefit of the doubt just for going out there. Because I know I never would. Huh, that's dead. Now, what? that was the undercard to Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones. I'm not kidding. I was doing lift right before the fight, right? Right before the fight, I was doing lift. I knew I wasn't going to pay for that fight. I was like, I'm fading this. $50? During a pandemic while I'm struggling for cash? No, no. I'm not watching this. And then on the radio, I heard the rules saying no knockouts and no cuts to the face. I'm like, okay, this is really a joke now. And sure enough, Mike Tyson only hit Roy Jones' body. And it was kind of a joke. It was eight rounds, and it ended up as a draw, and everyone said Mike Tyson won. And everyone said Mike Tyson could have easily beat Roy Jones Jr., just like everyone expected. If if they had regular rules, Mike uh, Roy Jones probably would have been a first-round knockout. It's a joke. I knew it was going to be a joke. I might watch the highlights later, but it was a joke. It was grifting. It was a, it was a cash grab. Whatever. When are we going to see Tyson versus Holyfield again? <laughs> with, with regular rules, hopefully. Or at least with headgear. Like, come on, man. What, what are we doing here? Okay. 
This Jared Peterson guy, or not Peterson, uh, Patterson, this Jared Patterson guy, first of all, he's only played four games, but he has 920 yards rushing. His last two games, he has six, 67 carries, 710 yards, 12 TDs. In four games, he has 920 yards, 16 TDs. Yeah, in 16 TDs. Where was he before this? Was he on the bench? Was he hurt? He is going off. Is this his field vision? Is it his speed? Is it the blocking? It's probably everything. But he tried to threaten Samaj P. Ryan's record. He had over 400 yards rushing his last game. And I'm so glad he didn't get it because it would have ruined a moment that's dear to my heart that I watched in person. I watched Samaj P. Ryan get that record versus Kansas. And I stood in the rain for hours to watch that game. I stood in the rain for hours. When I got home, everything was wet and I was hurt. And my feet were cement. I could not move. It was hurting, man. Um, but it was worth it because I saw Jamal J. P. Ryan break that record. It's probably going to get broken one day because records are meant to be broken. But, man. That is crazy. That's crazy. Uh, I was hating on Jarrett Patterson at first, kind of happy he didn't get the record and said he played against middle school defenses. But, you know, it's it's a great accomplishment. You know, I can't hate, man. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's a good back. He's 5'9", but he's really quick and dangerous in open field. So I just got to give him credit for getting those yards and breaking the record. Almost breaking the record and having a great finish to the season. I gotta give him credit. I can't. I can't hate, man. He killing it. Howard basketball already a joke. They've lost every game and Maker Maker is already hurt. He's probably gonna be out till January. It that's what it looks like. I don't know what his injury is, but he's gonna be out for a while. And already it's another rough start for Howard basketball. And I'm just like, oh. Man, here we go again. And I don't know how they're going to do in the MEAC. I thought Maker Maker would make them, like, more competitive. But I'm looking at these games. They lost by 17 to Belmont. They lost by 14 to Quinnipiac. They lost by 14 to George Mason. That's not horrible. They got LaSalle. I don't know what that's going to happen. Bruh, they got three games canceled against... Maryland Eastern Shore, because Maryland Eastern Shore canceled sports. Okay, whatever. They got to play Hampton on the 18th. I don't know how that's going to go. I hope they win. We won't get to see that game, unfortunately. Um, I don't know. Like, this is crazy. Kyle Foster had 23. He had 23 versus George Mason. I mean, he's the, he's the leader. He should be the leader of that team. I think he's a senior. I've been watching Kyle Foster for a while, and it's like he's the shooter, man. He should be one of the stars of that team. Um, Yeah, I don't really know much about this team. Hopefully, I'll get to watch them. Uh, maybe I'll watch the game they played against Belmont. But they off to a rough start already. But at least they're somewhat competitive. I hope Maker Maker comes back. It's a shame he got hurt already. I need to see them before I proclaim they're going to win the MEAC championship. Because... Norfolk and NC Central and North Carolina Central are still king. They're still one and two in the MEAC. They're still, you know, the two titans on the throne. So until they 
can beat them. It doesn't doesn't matter who they get on their team. I just hope Maker Maker comes back. And I don't think we're in D.C. There's not going to be fans the entire season. Merlin Eastern Shore canceled fall sports, uh, winter sports. This is not going to be, it's not going to happen, bro. It's a wrap. <laughs> it, it's a wrap. We're not going to be able to watch them. Only if they're on ESPN3 or ESPN2 or something will we get to see them. All right, now it's time to get into the hypothetical game of the episode. I had to come up with one on the fly because it was originally supposed to be a Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones URL battle, but my lack of preparation kind of made that fall through. So I had something to do something quick, and I got the 2014 Baylor Bears versus 2017 Oklahoma Sooners. Two of the best Big 12 teams in this decade. Probably one and two. I mean, if you want to add 2011 Oklahoma State in there, you you can. But, you know, I was interested to see what happened, and oh, you killed them. But let's go through it. Uh, First quarter was back and forth. Defensive stops, three and outs. But it was 6-0 Oklahoma after the first quarter. Then OU went on a roll. Baker Mayfield threw three touchdowns. First one to Mark Andrews, then to Michael uh, Mikel Jones, and then and then he threw a dig route to Jeff Bidette. He outruns the linebacker. He outruns the safety. He puts a move on the safety, makes the safety spin around, and runs to the end zone for a 65-yard touchdown. 27-0 OU. 2017 OU over 2014 Baylor. This is crazy because 2014 Baylor, crazy offense is insane. But 2017 OU came to play. Baylor gets on the board finally with a 10-yard touchdown to Corey Coleman. Caught a slant pass. Easy. So then to end the half, uh, you got a field goal from Chris Callahan from Baylor. And then Alston Seibert with another field goal. So now it's pretty much uh, it's thirty to six. No, thirty to ten. OU thirty to ten. OU at halftime. That is crazy. Now it looks like Baylor was gonna fight their way back in it because they got an early touchdown in the third quarter to Trayvon Armstead. You remember the beast tight end Baylor had uh, in twenty fourteen? That kind of <laughs> he kind of looked like a a, a slightly smaller version. Of um, Sean Oakman. He looked like a, a, a slightly smaller version of Sean Oakman. Man, that team was dope. I'm not going to lie. But OU answers back later in the quarter with a 13-yard pass to Marquise Brown. You knew he was going to get in it. You knew that. He caught a curl route, put his foot in the ground, turned the corner around, and scored. Easy. An interception from uh, interception from Kenneth Murray led to an OU field goal. That's forty to seventeen. And then in the fourth, looked like Baylor's still in it. The down twenty three is forty to seventeen. And they go back and forth. They make some stops, and OU got another interception. And and then it looks like you know Baylor was still in it. But Abdul Adams takes the handoff, rushes out the middle, and runs straight past the safety for a touchdown. 71 yards 
47-17 OU. That is the final. 2017 OU 47, 2014 Baylor 17. That's what I'm talking at a neutral field. It should have been in Norman, but it ends up at a neutral field because of we're gonna assume because of COVID. <laughs> we and it's barely neutral if the game's in Arlington. It's pretty much a home game for Baylor. But whatever. OU wins 47-17. So both teams had two sacks each. Baker Mayfield was 22 for 27, 334 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Bryce Petty was 20 for 39, 287 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. The OU defense stayed, uh, stood up. They really came to play. They came to play like, like they did against Ohio State. They had to. Because this Baylor team was going to run them out of the stadium. Corey Coleman, six receptions, 97 yards and a touchdown. Mark Andrews, five catches, 62 yards and a touchdown. Shock Linwood had 85 yards rushing. Rodney Anderson had 79 yards rushing. Abdul Adams had 94 yards rushing, with most of it coming on that one 70-yard 71-yard scamper to the end zone. Now that's a hypothetical game of the episode and the end of the episode. And you know, times are hard. Times are hard in 2020. It's rough. But you got to be thankful for as much as you got. And at the end of the day, praise the Lord because he's worthy to be praised. Thank you very much. Now I'm out. Peace. Boomer sooner and fly eagles fly. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.